Thank you, choir. Walking that road to glory. I never know quite what to think about that or pray about that, whether I want to walk quickly and get there quickly or walk slowly and stroll and, and have a few more years before I get to glory. But uh, walking with the Lord is the only way to walk on that road on our way to glory. So what a, a great anthem to remind us of that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we go to the book of Malachi this morning. Dear Lord, we are thankful that we have a life in which we can walk with you. And God, even today, as we look at Malachi, we will see how you made a covenant with the, Le the tribe of Levi, the priest, to walk with you. Lord, I think of uh, those in the Bible who walked with you and how precious that was. So I pray, Lord, that today, as we hear you speak to us, we would be reminded, we would be uh, moved to walk with you. Lord, I pray that even right now, my brothers and sisters would evaluate how close are they walking with you. Lord, are, are we so far away from you that we can barely see where you are or where the path is? Or Lord, is our walk with you so close that uh, we're step in step with you, following you? Lord, I, I pray that in this time, as you speak, we would listen and take it to heart and that we would leave here today walking, literally, but also walking with you. And I pray, Jesus, these things and ask for your blessing in your name. Amen. We're in the book of Malachi again this morning. I know some of you were unable to be here last week because of the rain and the cold and so last week we looked at the book of Malachi and we asked this question, does God really care at all? Because the book of Malachi is a series of questions, it's a debate between God and the people of Israel. And the question was, God, do you care? Do you love us? And God said, yes, I do. He, he said, I love you. And he proved his love by choosing the people of Israel and he proved his love by blessing them. And so God does the same for us. God says, I love you. And he says, I have chosen you even before the world was created. And I bless you. And we can never, ever doubt God's love. All we have to do is look to the cross. And we will know how much God loves us. Today, we're going to look at this question. Is worship really that important to God? Is worship all that important? I think you would think right off the bat, of course, yes, it is. I don't think there's anyone here saying, well, no, not really. But I want us to see how worship can become, as it did for the Israelites, and especially the priest. It became for them a burden. They even said, this is a nuisance. How can it become that, and how can we change it so that worship is what it is meant to be. That's what we're going to learn today as God speaks to us from Malachi. I don't think this is a surprise to you that worship is all about God. You've heard that preached many times. We even have songs about it. Last week, in fact, in our second service, we sang a song about the heart of worship. 
And it's a song of apology to God that the songwriter and those singing it have made it all about us when it's all about God. So we know that. And, but so many times it's not about him. But look at these verses in Malachi where God shows us how his name is going to be glorified. Malachi 1.5 says, Your own eyes will see this and you yourselves will say, The Lord is great even beyond the borders of Israel. In Malachi 2.14, God says, I am a great king and my name will be feared among the nations. Do you see in those two verses how God's name is not just honored and worshipped in Israel, but all over the world. And I love this verse that looks to the future, Malachi 1.11. God says, My name will be great among the nations, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Incense and pure offerings will be presented in my name in every place, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. This looks to a future day. If you think about it today or any time in human history, has God's name been worshipped? Has God been worshipped from the rising of the sun to the setting? I mean, all over the earth, all the time? No. But there's going to be a day when Jesus is ruling from Jerusalem and when there is no mistake who God is and there's no mistake about what he does, and there will be people all over the world worshiping him. And this is why God really has created us, for us to have a relationship with him, yes, but for us to worship him. So it's all about God, and it should be. He is the creator. He is our savior. Uh, We have no life without him. We have no eternal life without him. We have nothing that's good without him. We, we don't exist without him. So he should deserve all of the worship and all of the glory. And it is one day going to be so. And if it's going to be so in the future, it can be now as well for those who are his people and those who know him and love him. Now, I think it's hard for us to think about worship about God because we can't see God. And we are, as humans, very sensory oriented, what we can see, what we can smell, what we can touch becomes more real to us than what we can imagine in our minds. Now I show you this picture and this picture to me is an awful picture. Okay, so that's why I show it to you. But what it's describing is God's throne, the living creatures, the elders worshiping God in Revelation chapter 5. Now I want you to think about this. It talks about thunder, it talks about God's throne, it's like a rainbow, but it's emerald, so I don't know how you have an, rainbow, an emerald rainbow, okay, but that's what it is. There's living creatures, there's uh, the 24 elders, there's uh, uh, a flames there with the, you see the candle there, and so you look at it, and I think, what a terrible picture. If that's what it looks like, I don't think I want to be there, you know? <laughs> But this is the problem. You read it, and this uh, uh, painter, what he did was exactly took everything and literally drew a picture of it and put it on a piece of paper. 
Now, do you think what this picture looks like has anything to do with the majesty and the glory of being in the presence of God's throne and, and the living creatures saying, holy, 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 and the 24 elders? I mean, if you could imagine, I imagine that it would be like nothing we have ever experienced. And if we even had a glimpse of that, our worship would be completely different. So I know that's why it is hard sometimes to make worship all about God because we can't see Him. We can't see His glory. We can't hear the voices, holy, holy, holy. If we could imagine how that sounds and what it looks like and maybe even the smells that surround it. I mean, if we could, I think we would know that worship was about God. Now, Obviously, we don't need that to worship God. If we did, then God would give it to us. But we don't need that. But what we do in reality face is that we look, this is what we see when we worship. You see, we see each other. Uh, we see uh, stained glass, we see pews, we see hymnals. You know? We even focus our worship in a sanctuary on uh, an hour on Sunday morning. I mean, this is what becomes for us worship because it's what we can see. It's what we can experience. It's what we can hear. And so that's why we tend to then make worship about all those things. And all these things are, are created by us and are our attempts to worship God. And we can use them to worship God in a godly way. What I'm, what I'm trying to explain to you is I understand how we can say worship's all about God. But it often does come down to... Well, I didn't like that sermon. That was kind of boring. I didn't like those songs. They were sung off key. I didn't know any of those songs. I didn't like... Boy, that sanctuary was hot this morning. I couldn't even barely concentrate. Have you seen how ugly that pastor's suit was this week? Can, do you believe how few people were there? Can you believe how packed it was? Could you believe how loud... You, you understand? You can just keep going on and on. And isn't that what worship often ends up being about? That's far from the glory of God's throne and the sounds of holy, holy, holy. But I can understand how that happens. But it doesn't have to be that way. For the priests, they had made it even worse than that. Malachi 1, 6 and 7, God says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. But if I am a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's your fear of me? says the Lord of hosts to you priests who despise my name. Yet you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled food on my altar. You ask, how have, you how have we defiled you? When you say the Lord's table is contemptible. Now this is what's happened. The priest in the Old Testament basically had uh, two things to do. They were to teach the people the word of God and instruct them in the law of God so that the people knew what was right and what was wrong. They also were to offer sacrifices because they were the go-between between the people who were sinful and a holy God and they would offer sacrifices that would cover the sins of the people. So this is what their job was. Now what they had done, instead of making it about God, bringing people to God, teaching people about God, they had made it about themselves. It seems that they probably compromised worship 
made it about themselves because even as today often is the case, unfortunately, the priest's livelihood was based on the people bringing food, sacrifice. It was based on whether people would come, give their tithes and their offerings. You see what I'm getting at? If the priests were going to eat, if they were going to care for their family, they had to have people coming. If no people were coming, they weren't eating. They weren't having a family cared for. So anytime that happens, priests and preachers today are tempted to compromise so that more people come. And that's what they were doing. They didn't teach the people the truth. They taught the people what the people wanted to hear. They didn't offer the sacrifices as God commanded because that took a lot of sacrifice. <laughs> you had to present a, an animal that was perfect. No blemishes on it. Not disease, not sick. It, it, that's the best of your flock. And I can see the people say, I don't want to give God that. <laughs> Why can't I give him the runt over here? Let me give him that one. That one's not going to make it anyway. Why can't I give him this one over here? This one's already sick. It's on its last leg. It's going to die tomorrow anyway. Why don't I offer that one? Well, I don't even have one to offer. Let me go to my neighbors and steal one from his flock. He's got more than I do. And that's what they were doing. They were bringing them to the priest. And the priest said, okay, that's fine with me. As long as you keep bringing something, just bring it on. So they had compromised. They were letting the people sacrifice anything. They were teaching the people what they wanted to hear. God was sick of it. In fact, this is what God said about their worship. I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so you would no longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will accept no offering from your hands. Could you imagine God saying that to us? I don't think it could, the rebuke could be any stronger. If God said to us, Olive Branch, I wish you'd just shut the doors and not even show up. I am not pleased with you. And I don't want to hear you. I don't want to hear your songs. I don't want your money. I don't want your service. It's all about you. It's not about me. You've compromised the truth. You're not offering as I have required. You've made a mockery of it. Just stop doing it. That's what God said to his people. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Because God so desperately wants people to worship him. And everyone is going to worship him, as we just looked at earlier. All the nations, and it's all about God. Worshiping God is what it's all about. And it had become so bad that he was sick of it and said, just stop it. It would be better for you not to even do it than to do it the way you're doing it. And I would hope that would never be said of me or of us. And so what can we do so that we don't hear this rebuke from God? That's what I want to talk about next. And look at worship in, in three ways. Thinking about our head and our heart and our hands. Okay? So we talk about the head of our worship. When we think about our head, we're usually thinking about our thoughts and what we believe. And as I said earlier, the priests were supposed to teach the people. 
God said, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, because he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So notice two things. The priest is supposed to teach. Today you could say that the preacher is supposed to preach the truth. But also do you notice people are to seek the truth as well. So it's a two-way street. Preachers are to be uh, to speak the truth and to be diligent in doing it. But people also are supposed to be seeking it out. And neither was happening in Malachi's day. You see, this is where I think it's so important that we need to know the truth and know what the Bible says, because how can you worship God if you don't even know who He is? See, that's what happens too many times. It's happened throughout human history. People are worshiping, and they don't even know what they're worshiping, or what they're worshiping is not even God. And it can happen with people who claim to be Christians, because we have so many wrong ideas about who God is. I mean, again, as I've shared with you before, there are Christians who believe that, you know, that Jesus was a sinner. You've got Christians believing that God is this man upstairs. You've got Christians believing all kinds of crazy things. If you think about all the things that people who aren't Christians are, believe about God, if they're worshiping something, they're not worshiping God. They're worshiping an idea of God. They're worshiping what they hope God is. They're worshiping what someone told them God is. But God calls us to worship Him in truth. We have to know the Word of God because that is the only way we know about God. Think about it. If we did not have the Bible, we would only know very, very few things about who God is. Paul tells us in Romans 1 what we would know about God. We would know from creation that He's powerful. We would know maybe that He's very creative. We would know there was someone bigger than ourselves who made everything. We could see His power. We could see His glory. Well, that would be it. And that's why there's so many people who worship nature. They see the creation. They see how powerful and glorious it is, if that's a word. And they see it, and they worship it. Well, that's not God. How do you know anything about Him? It's in the Bible. So if you don't know this, you're not going to know about Jesus. You're not going to know about the Father. You're not going to know about the Holy Spirit. You're not going to know who to worship and how to worship Him because you won't know. Jesus said this to the woman at the well. An hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. God is seeking out people who worship Him in truth. They know Him. They know about Him. They know who they're worshiping. That's where it's got to begin. Otherwise, our worship is just emotions or it's directed to, in the wrong place. And, and in reality, we're not much better than pagans who don't know God. Again, if a pagan's worshiping a tree, we kind of laugh. But if we're worshiping our idea of who God is rather than who God really is, are we all that much better? So the only remedy to this is to know the truth in the Word of God. Then we can worship Him in truth. When it comes to the heart of worship, listen to what God said to the priests. You are profaning it when you say the Lord's table is defiled and its product, its food is contemptible. You also say, look, what a nuisance, and you scorn it says the Lord of hosts. 
Worship for them had become a burden, a nuisance. It becomes that way for us sometimes too. Have you been in a place in your life when coming to church on Sunday is a nuisance or an annoyance or a burden? It's something I have to do because people are going to think something bad about me if I don't or I've always done it so I've got to do it. And you hear the songs and they don't move you and you don't feel like serving the Lord and when you do, you're not excited about it, you don't see anything happening. Worshiping God can become that way for us. It had for the priests. They had to go through the motions. That was their job. They had to take the sacrifice. They had to offer it. They had to give a, a, a lesson every week or whatever. They had to do it. So they did it. They checked it off their list. They did the work. But their heart wasn't in it. And in fact, they didn't enjoy doing it. They hated it. It was a burden. It was a nuisance. They'd rather not have to do it at all. But the bill's got to be paid, so i got to do it. I think I can see how this happens. I want you to think for a moment about the, a famous person that you would love to see. And let's just keep it to living people. I mean, not anybody in history. Someone today that you know, maybe they're famous for whatever reason. Maybe lots of people in this world would want to see them. I just want you to imagine that person for a moment. And try to imagine... Uh, the person maybe that's the hardest to get to, to meet, and now you're going to have uh, dinner with them. I imagine that when you first meet that person, you're probably a little bit afraid, a little nervous. This is a very famous person, maybe a very powerful person, maybe a very attractive person, maybe a very rich person. So you're very nervous then probably you're in awe. Wow. They look better in person than they do on TV. Wow, I didn't realize their house was that big. Wow. Look at that car they're driving. You know, I mean, they're just in awe. In fact, there might even be a little bit of, of reverence. You almost feel like bowing to them. <laughs> Maybe a little curtsy or something. Just because you're in the presence of something so amazing. And, and there would even be some honor. Uh, you wouldn't go up to them and say, hey dude, what's happening? You know, you would, uh, you would be very courteous and very careful in the words that you used. Maybe even very formal with them. But now imagine that person, after you met them the first time, Let's say you start, for some reason, they really like you, and they say, hey, let's be friends, and let's hang out every week. And so now you're with them all the time. Day after day, week after week, month after month. Now how do you feel about them? Well, you're so familiar with them now, you know what aftershave they use, a perfume or whatever, you smell it, you know them, you know, you know what brand of toothpaste they use. Uh, nothing very exciting about it. Everything they do and use is just like what you have. What's the big deal? In fact, you're kind of bored with them. Yeah, I heard that before. You told me that story already. Yes, I already know how much money you make. Yes, I, I already know you know that person. Yes, I heard it. You know, you know so much about them, you're just kind of bored with them. In fact, maybe you get kind of annoyed with them. Maybe the way that they have these idiosyncrasies and the way that they uh, eat their food or, or the way that they say a phrase all the time, 
Oh, there you go again. My goodness. Can't you just stop it already? And in fact, you may get to the point where now you kind of hate them, dislike them. I mean, this was the person that you wanted to meet more than anything. And now you say, why did I ever, ever want to meet this person? Now that I know this person, been around this person, I just wish this person never existed. <laughs> okay, that can become how bad it is. And why is that? Because you become so familiar with them. And that can happen with God. If we're not careful, what can happen is uh, we go through the motions of worship and we you know, say that, sing the same songs and we memorize the same verses, we hear the same sermons, everything, you know, we become familiar with God, there's nothing new in our life and our walk with God, and, and so we get kind of bored with it and... And, you know, you hear a sermon, oh, I've heard that a thousand times. And you hear us, oh, I've heard song, that song so many times. And, and, oh, yeah, there's another plea to serve the church in this way. I've heard that a thousand times. And, you know, you look in your life and God, you, you feel like God's not really doing a whole lot for you. And you say, well, God, I, you know, I'm looking for the blessing. I don't see it. Uh, you know, this life with you is okay. But what's so great about it? No wonder you don't want to worship God if that's how you feel about him. You see, in Malachi, it says this is how our worship towards God should be. This is where our heart should be. Those are the verses. There should be honor and fear and reverence and awe. Now, we fear God, as I said last week, when we take him seriously. And there should be a sense of, you know, we can't control God. He's far bigger than us, and so we never should have this attitude that we often say, put him in a box, and this is my God, and this is who he is, and he does what I say, say and this is where he is. And No, he's much bigger than that, more than we can imagine. So there should be some fear if, for another reason. We don't know what he's going to do next, and uh, we don't know all about him, and we should take him seriously when he says that we should obey him, we should take that seriously. When he says he's going to discipline us, we should take that seriously. There should be some honor. I, I know that God is our daddy. Jesus calls us brother. Jesus calls us friend. But I don't think we ever should be so familiar with God that we're just like, hey dude, what's happening today? And and God's my dude, and you know God's my best friend, and we just hang out, and that's just, just my relationship. I mean, he's still the, the, the God of the universe. There should be some honor, some reverence when we think of him, when we come to him, when we pray to him. And there should always be an awe of who he is and how great he is. And everything that he's done. And so if that's missing in your worship of God and your life with God is become boring and it's just all too familiar. Take a, a step back and think of these four words. In what way are you honoring God or, or fearing him or giving him reverence or in awe of him? And, and think of maybe again about what was in your life when you first heard the gospel, first met God, and what made it so amazing. And it, if it was because you read the word and found out something about God, go back and, and learn something new. If 
it was because you worshiped God in a way that was so unique to you, it just struck you, then find a, a different way to worship God. Do something so that that heart of worship is there. And finally, the hands of worship. This is what the priests had done. I want you to think about this. When uh, uh, there's a clothes, clothes drive for churches, what kind of clothes often are, are given to the church? I uh, know it's often the uh, old and used, yes, okay. Uh, when you, uh, like when we have the Super Bowl and we're asking for food, don't, what you usually do is you go and find all the lima beans and all the, uh, the, the canned corn, the stuff. You just check the date to make sure it's not five years old and that's what you throw in there. And when it's time to donate stuff to the church, don't, you, you, don't the church usually get the old piano that's so worn out and uh, can't be tuned, big and bulky, but hey, it's good enough for the church. Uh, what about when you get a, a big new TV? You know, you get the, the big, they keep getting bigger. So now, uh, now you want the 90-inch the because now that's the standard. So now you've got the 90-inch. Now it's uh, 30K or whatever, and, it's, uh, and it you know, it's, has everything on it. And what do you do with your old one? Oh, let's give it to the church. Church can have the old one. I'll have the new one. And, and, and I'm kind of teasing, but it's kind of true that often we think, oh, it's good enough for church. It's good enough for God's people. I'll give God the leftovers. And that's what the priests were doing. As I've already said, you scorn it. You bring stolen Lame or sick animals, you bring, this is an offering. Am I to accept that from your hands, asked the Lord? Also, and there he says, you try to give that animal to your governor and see what he does. So God says, well, why should I accept it? You know, you try to give what you give as worship and what you give as service sometimes to the church. Try to give that to your boss. And see what he says about it. What she says about it. You know, if you said, well, I can give the church a little bit of my time and a little bit of my money. Leftovers. If you gave, went to your boss and said, you know what, boss? Eh, this week I'll just give you a little bit. I'll just give you the leftovers. He's not going to be pleased with that. Why would God be pleased with it? Why do we think we can give the leftovers to God? That's what the, the priest and the people of Malachi's day was doing. But we give God our best. We give God the first. Not the leftovers. And I wish I had more time, and I have in previous sermons, of going into more detail about how many times we give God the leftovers and what's the least of our life, and we keep the best for ourselves. I mean, it can even go down to Saturday nights. We stay up late. We party, we go out to eat, and then Sunday morning, oh, I'm too tired to go to church, you know. Maybe I'll drag myself out of bed. God at least deserves that, but I gave the best of my time and my money Saturday night when I was having a good time. I mean, that's just kind of a silly example, but it can be that way. I'll give my best to my golf game. I'll give what I can to God, you know. I'll give the best to my brand new car, but for the church, I'll just put in a couple of bucks for missions you know, we have that attitude all the time. And God's not pleased with it. Why should he be? Why should he get the leftovers when he is God who deserves our worship? I want to finish quickly here 
with this last thought. This is what God said. If you don't listen and if you don't take it to heart to honor my name, I will send a curse among you and I will curse your blessings. In fact, I've already begun to curse them because you are not taking it to heart. God said to the priest and the people, he said, listen. Listen to what I've said. This is how you're worshiping me and I am not pleased. Take it to heart and repent of it. He says, if you don't, I'm going to curse you. In fact, he said, I'm already cursing you. Now, the priests and the Israelites, they had a contract with God. If they obeyed, he was going to bless. If they disobeyed, he was going to curse. We don't have that same contract with God. But God today still disciplines us when we're far from him and we disobey him. God doesn't curse us like he did the Israelites. But again, he doesn't just let sin go undisciplined. He still punishes us. And so I want you to hear him saying to us today, listen to what I've said about worship and take it to heart. If you don't take it to heart and change your ways, I'm going to discipline you. Remember last week and each week I want to share this verse with you because there were people in Malachi's day who did listen and they did take it to heart. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord took notice and listened. We can be those people who hear God's word and we listen and we repent and we obey. That is my call to you this morning when it comes to worship. This is the last verse from Malachi. When God is talking about the covenant he made with the tribe of Levi to be the priestly tribe, he said this, My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave these to him. It called for reverence, and he revered me, and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing wrong was found on his lips. Listen, he walked with me in peace and fairness, and turned many from sin. Here is the essence of what God wanted from the priest and from his people. He wanted them to walk with him in peace, walk with him in obedience, speak the truth, turn people away from sin, Worship the Lord. Are you doing that? Am I doing that? Now is the time for us to ask that question, to listen and take it to heart and respond to what God has spoken to our hearts. Father, I pray that now as we have heard, that we have listened, and I pray that we do take it to heart, and I pray that our worship would not be about the trivial or about ourselves, but it would be about you. And God, I know it is so easy for it to be other than you have called us to do and called it to be. So I pray, Lord, that you would help us. We desperately need your help. So I pray that your people this morning would respond so that, God, our worship is pleasing to you. Lord, may we never hear from you, shut the doors, I am not pleased. Lord, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And so I pray that we take stock, we listen, we change, we repent, we leave here today walking with you and worshiping you in all of your glory. And I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Stand with me, please, and we're going to sing as we close our service. But it's just not a song. It's a time to respond.
silly would it be to talk about worship and worshiping God in spirit and in truth and worshiping Him as the King of the universe with honor and reverence and fear and awe, and then we go through the motions and sing a song. That would be the worst way to respond to this message and what God has said. So I know, especially in the first service, we're always focused on the clock. We're always focused on Sunday school. We're hearing people gathering and getting coffee. And we're wondering if it's getting cold, if we'll get hours. Okay, so I know that's always a problem at this time. But I do want us to respond in a genuine way. And I'm serious when I say just going through the motions of singing a song is a terrible way to respond to God telling us to worship Him in a way that pleases Him. So please sing if you'd like as a response. If you'd rather not sing and rather spend this time talking to God, getting right with God, then do that. You can come to the altar, you can come and talk to me, but let this be a true and a real response, not just a motion that we go through because it's in the bulletin, okay? But we are going to sing, but I want you to respond, okay? Let's sing together.